0: Love, talk radio. What's going on, Modern Nation? I'm Anthony Salome with Alex Nicholas. This is the Rush Podcast. Glad y'all could be with us here. If y'all want to call in, let's start off with that. We haven't mentioned it in a while, but y'all want to call in 347-934-0951 is the call number. Um, <laughs> just walking in the door into the studio, man. Before, we didn't even get to talk. We didn't even get to, to figure things out before. We're we going to wing it. We're we going to wing it. Wing it Straight podcast.
1: wing it, bro. That's how we do it around here, but uh, I mean... I don't know how much we can wing six losses again. For the record, this is the sixth time this year we talk about a UTEP loss. Oh man, and, and just, we're only eight games in, and it's and it's a it's like almost a carbon copy of what we've seen every loss, whether it's bad play calling. In the first half, defense holds. Second half, defense breaks. I mean, this game was pretty – to me, it was almost like a tell of two halves when you look at that older Dominion game. But I, I think that's unfair for the defense, just for that, you know, to say that for the defense because UTF offense did not show me anything again. A week after putting up some pretty good numbers against a respectable – I'm not going to call UTSA defense good, but a respectable defense that has some pretty good athletes. And then the next week you come back and you revert to – Dive on first down, Bob on second down. Oh, let's try to get something here on third and long, and it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. And once again, you know, there's a lot of things you can point your finger at. I mean, with this team, I mean, there's so many re- – you can look at the offensive line. You look at the, lap- the lack of depth, at linebacker on defense, the lack of a passers on defense. But at the end all to me is the play calling continues to take two steps forward, and then a big step and a half, or maybe, or not even three steps forward and two steps back under Sean Cougar. And we called this last week. We called it. What? Now the creativity was a little bit better in certain areas. They tried to get Aaron Jones the ball out in the passing game. I get that. There was some variety, but the consistent, the it's crazy to say the the consistent conservative plan that keeps going in each week, especially at home. I think more than likely at home, it's like let's run the ball more. On the road, it, you see a different kind of mentality, especially against UCSA. But at home, against a team like Old Dominion, it really, again, looked like Old Dominion knew what we were doing offensively. And I think that just, it continues. Continue. I don't know how many times we've said it under the Sean it's Coogler been, it's era. It's been but,
0: the story of the year, and it's yep. been the MO of Sean Coogler's teams, his offense, since since year one. Um, there's no question about it. Um, talking about regression, we we mentioned it last week. We were hoping that this wouldn't be the case after you know this game we wouldn't be sitting here talking about that but it is it, it it's 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 become expected like you talked about uh there was a little more variety in the offense but early on especially i felt like it was very very predictable and and that's when i feel like you got to hit them in the mouth you know when you come out get a, when you come out against a team at home like like old dominion that's you know probably a little better than you i yeah. mean let's be honest yeah. they're more consistent throughout um go position way better you know, so, so you got to come out and hit them in the mouth. You got to come out swinging. And then maybe you can drop into your, your you know, pounded, little jump, later jump on get, a <laughs> get a lead. Get a lead. Um, and we didn't see that at all. And it put us in a hole. And it was a close game for most of the first half. Um, it, obviously, the, the injury to uh, Ryan Metz definitely hurt us as well because that Greenley has just proven extremely ineffective. Um, but overall, you know, we were never really put in a position to win that game. And it's just disappointing to see, especially coming off the win over UTSA, you know, the kids are, are probably extremely high off that win and, and looking to continue that looking to get going, you know, get some momentum heading into the final stretch of the season. And then, you know, you just hit a brick wall again. It's tough. Let me hit you
1: with this. And this is something that I brought up with a couple of people after the game. And I don't think it's the biggest issue, on the offense of the multiple, you know, the number of issues. But do you feel – and this is not a knock on Kavika Johnson at all. I think Kavika Johnson is one of our better playmakers, and that's crazy to say because he's a quarterback or recruited as a quarterback. But do you feel that that Wildcat just needs to get scrapped? I feel two things. I feel that Wildcat, it's very predictable, obviously. You know what's going to happen. It's either going to be a zone read or it's going to be a perimeter run or a draw. You Three or four plays, there's no variety out of it. And two, I feel it kills Ryan Metz's momentum—not so much his rhythm, but momentum. Because I've noticed over the past couple of games, when they throw it in, it's usually after we're getting some type of yardage. It may mm-hmm. not be that big first down, but you you feel okay. Oh, Ryan Metz is in—he's in a roll, three or four. And then they throw in the Wildcat, and then it, it usually it's it's either. know this year it's been either a ten-yard gain or a three-yard loss, and yeah. I feel it kills. I killed, it. Kills any momentum. Not so much yardage. Not so much play calling, but just momentum for Ryan Metz, who I feel is a, I, I, like I said, I've seen Ryan since his sophomore. Ryan, a sophomore in high school, he's a he's a rhythm type of quarterback. He kind of has to have the ball in his hands yeah. a little bit. What do you do? You think no, that's, I agree that's that's, with that's, that's definitely down think
0: that that putting him in. It, it, it just seems like they don't know when to use it. Exactly, but, but exactly. more than that, you know, more often than not, it, it doesn't really do much you know, we don't see it produced much. And that's because defenses know that when Kavika Johnson is in there in that package, he's not going to throw the football. 95% of the time, he's not going to throw the football. And and granted, we haven't seen a whole lot with Kavika and his arm. You know, it's not like he's made a ton of plays with his arm. But you still have to have that as a threat. You have to be able to tell the defense, when this guy's in the game, he may be throwing, he may be running. And that's really not the case when you see him back there. You know it's a run. And so that – Safeties creep it, up, it, boxes it, get stacked. And then it throws the entire momentum of the offense mm-hmm. off because it's yep. another, it's a different thing if, if you know, every now and then you're switching up, letting him run, whatever it is, and you're getting an average of five, six, seven yards on that play, you know, where right now it just seems, seems like it's kind of feast the famine. Like you said, it's 10 yards or it's nothing or a loss. And more often, it seems like it is a loss. Yeah. So, so 60, you know, 70%. that's what's tough when you talk about killing Ryan's momentum because, yeah, he may start getting a drive going. They want to throw this wildcat in, and then they bring him in on first or second down and put us down in a, in a long down and in, in t- you know, down and yarder situation where you know the wildcat doesn't work. We lose three or four yards, and all of a sudden Ryan Metz is thrown back in there on a second and fourteen or a third and twelve or whatever it is, and that's tough for this offense overcoming. Yeah, that's definitely definitely a momentum killer. It just goes back to the play calling. It just seems like. They I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not a division one coach. I'm not an offensive coordinator. You know, I'm just a fan. I'm just a, a a spectator. But it just seems so easy at times to be able to change things up a little bit and get this team going. We've seen in stretches that they can perform well. We've seen in stretches that Ryan Metz can be a very capable capable quarterback. We've obviously known what we have in in Aaron Jones. But it just seems like they they just don't have the game planning and the strategizing to put it all together, and
1: not to mention the struggles of the offensive line. I mean, it's you know there was a lot of different problems early on in the year, picking up blitzes, getting beat one on one. I just came to a realization that we're just getting athletically manhandled up front, and, and Old Dominion actually has a. Pre- I don't want, like. I'm not saying I don't want to say any of these teams are losing to our world beaters because they're not. They have some really good players, and I feel. If you, if, you, if you look at UTSA, UTEP, I believe they're even. You know, there may be a couple of areas where, obviously, running back, you know, even though UTSA has good running back. If you look at Old Dominion, Old Dominion was just better athletically than UTEP, and it's, it's in the pudding. You look at some of these advanced rushing stats, and I love to look at these offensive line adjusted line yards. That's how many yards per game UTEP's offensive line is creating. That's 89.4. National average is 100. I remember the last couple of years, that being 104, 105 yards. That's huge. I mean, you th- you're talking about creating those yards. You're going to give Aaron probably 80 of those yards created out of that 100 plus what Aaron can do. And, I mean, that, that's ridiculous. And that's where Aaron would average 150, 140 last year, 130. And then the last time he had 100 yards with UTSA, he struggled 21 carries. And that is the key right there. And then the biggest thing for me is the power rush success. Power rush success rates because we see so many power sets. You see two tight ends. You see three tight ends. 57.7% UTEP's power of rush success rate. That's 109th in the nation when that had been in the top 50 the past couple of years. So you're mixing play calling. You're mixing bad offensive line play. And we were kind of impression that maybe Cooler didn't trust Ryan Metz. I think that kind of went away. But then you, you kind of see it. Certain play calls, you kind of see it. You, you see it with these quick rollouts. You don't really see Ryan Metz have a three- or five-step drops of receivers running verticals. You know, maybe not so much straight goal routes, but a deep post, a deep slant, something different offensively. And, and you're looking at what Old Dominion did. All they did was just drop back their linebackers and protect the seams. Protect and Mets, really, really, there was no other option. Once they took away the seams, once, once they drop in those linebackers back and Utah did not use crossing routes, that was – and so that was the frustration. But the more frustrating thing I think from what we've touched on going into this game last week was the defense. We really applauded open field tackling. We approved. We, we applauded them being sound inside the scheme, assignment wise. And it all just fell apart against Old Dominion. And and I, do you think that is the final unraveling for a defense that has shown promises but has been unraveled now against the second half against Old Dominion, where Old Dominion basically us and we're flip passes. Guys were just going out there making plays. It, I feel. I personally, I feel the defense has unraveled. What do you think on that?
0: Oh man, that's tough. That's tough because I really think that consistently the defense is not getting any help from their offense, yeah. and that's, that's and that, yeah, we've that, a lot of problems. Um, but I think another thing is, well, I'll say this much: going into the game against Old Dominion, we both pretty much thought Old Dominion was going to get 35 30, points. Yeah. Like that, yeah, we, that we, was we the number well, that, we were like 30, 35. That was the number we're talking yeah. about so every we, week. So we knew we knew what to expect from this team coming in. Um, they held them to 10 points in the first half. Um, you know, David Washington threw for 262. You have to see that number probably a little I think bit more. they only lower. had like 40
1: yards rushing in the first exactly. half. Exactly. They
0: only had. They, they were definitely well under 100 yards. I mean, there they were some good things from this defense, but it just it's so hard when you're not getting when you're not getting any help from the offense. That's the way I see it. I mean, is the final straw is this defense done? I don't think so. I mean, they've played competitive all year, no matter who's been put on the opposite side of them. But it's just, yeah, I mean, it's, Double that guy's three. in, yeah. It's gas. Watching this Oklahoma-Iowa State game, making some moves over here. Oklahoma's about to go up 14-3. But, yeah, I mean, this defense has, has proven themselves time and time again on the season, even going back to the Texas game. You know, we talk about that a lot. But they stood up tall throughout the year, and they just have had a lack of success from their offense that's kept them on the field. You know, three and outs put them back out there, and you start wearing down, and then you start making mistakes. and you know, particularly in that third quarter Yeah, and it week. starts snowballing, and that's when you turn a, a 10-3 game or a 10-7 game into a 31 – at one point it was – 31-13, I
1: think.
0: It was 31-13, and, I mean, it was just – it wasn't even close. and yeah, There was no chance. And
1: and that's one thing that really pissed me off after the game. You know, Sean Cougar is – I I have a lot of respect for Sean Cougar, what he tells – I was going to say us, but the media, you know, because he doesn't, like, hold – you know, he tells it how it is. But what really irked me is when he said that the – that she didn't indicate the score. And that's the first time I think I've ever disagreed with Sean. I'm like, well, what game were you watching, bro? Because I was watching YouTube just getting dominated in the second half. First half, they well, held their own, but I, I don't agree with that statement. And I usually agree with stuff Sean Cougar says after games because, like I say, you don't sugarcoat
0: it. You know, what's really interesting is that if you look at the numbers, um, Old Dominion, you know, they were held under 400 total yards, which is not a good thing, but that's not necessarily a bad right. thing either, you know, if it's under 40 And that's yards, been UTEP's so identity. They haven't allowed big-time yardage. They held them to year. one and eight on third downs, one of eight on third downs. They held them to 15 first downs, you know, compared to 23 for us. And I don't know how much those st- stats kind of got flawed there as the yeah. game opened up and things changed, but how there were some down? good things. Uh, we were four of 14, yeah. you know, and, and there were some good things that we saw. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just not. It's just not coming together for this team this year, and and it's it's very disappointing. I think it, I think the coaching staff has to foster a lot of the blame, um, but I I I don't even know what to say anymore at this point with this with this team. I mean, it, it, it's sad because you got a lot of guys out there that are really they deserve more, yeah. um, and and they're just it's just not coming together right now.
1: What's crazy to think about this and like as bad as it's been there's like a 10% chance because of the crap remaining on the schedule that this team could, could – hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's put a disclaimer on this. Could in italics, could underline because could is, is used very, very loosely. Now, I know I took some – kind of some heat. I don't want to say heat, but, you know, our readers know Let me what's up. It, our me. readers aren't dumb, so Braddy uh, – uh, not Natty Bry or something commented because I was down and out on that last game. I was like, it's over. I was writing the game, the game write up, and I was like, it's over. Oh, the so people, you were busting one of the. So I now. was bald, Yeah. Busting so basically, I said this. Is another, reverse psychology. Yeah. And and, and like Natty Bry said, well, what's up with your math, Alex? Because we we, we typically aren't aren't mathematically uh, excluded from bowl game, Yeah. But it's crazy to think when it, when I was thinking about what the point he was trying to make was like. I mean, yeah, you look at. The remaining, the remaining teams on our schedule. I mean, last week, I think Rice and FIU were blown out by like 101 to 30 score. Houston Baptist which God forbid, out. Like I said last week, I'll move my truck to Sean Cougar's run. House. You know, but it, 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 there, there's a small, tiny chance that the matchups can work right, that things can go right. But I just think that too much has gone on for this team to overcome that in yeah, my opinion.
0: More than anything, they just haven't shown the consistency to be able to go out and put it Enroll- yeah. together. Even against even against lower together. level teams. You know, you talk about Houston Baptist, I mean this is a game that Shouldn't be an issue, but at the same time, it kind of scares me because I don't even know what to expect from a team like that, and I don't know what to expect from us. I know one thing about them. (laughs) You know, then you talk about going on the road to play FAU and Rice. I mean, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if we won those games, but it wouldn't surprise me if we got blown out in both of them, too. Exactly. You know, this team has just been so inconsistent, and there's no way that I can say that there's a legitimate chance for them to make a bowl game. Yes, the schedule sets up nicely. You know, Houston Baptist, FAU, Rice, UNT, all of them either under or at 500. I think the only one that's at 500 is. U N T. Everybody else, F A one and seven. Rice is one and seven. But Houston then, Baptist. I don't know Rose Houston Baptist record, but three five, I think
1: FCS though, right. They yeah, three, yeah
0: three
1: and five. Um, this is their fourth year as a program. We'll get into them. So might you as well just jump into them.
0: Yeah, we can start moving into that. But yeah, I mean, as far as bowl opportunity goes, yeah, I mean, I mean, you're talking. You're on. If we were on life support before, like they're already coming in to pull the plugs. Yeah. now, So it's like. The you know, it's an absolute time. miracle now. Like, it's, you know, so I, I don't know what to say, man. It's just, it's been a disappointing year. It's been a frustrating year. You know, I think we need to talk a little bit more about Sean Kugler and where where his job's yeah, at yeah. at the end, At you know, after we get into this Houston Baptist talk. But it's going to be interesting to see what he does. What, I think this thing doesn't get turned around. Let's move on, though. Let's talk a little bit of Houston Baptist coming up this Saturday, uh, 6 p.m. kickoff. Houston Baptist coming in is three and five on the year. Let me see if I, uh, I can't pull up, I can pull up a schedule. I know
1: two things about them. And I actually recorded one of their games during the year. I think it was one of their wins. I haven't got a chance to watch it. it's super busy. I haven't even wrote that much for the rush out there. y'all I'll try to get back on it next week. but I know two things about them. One, one is, is, is one to me is scary, and two, we should be able to dominate. Number one, the way they run their offense. They're that zone read type. They're, they're, they're a zone read, they're a run pass option two things that we've struggled with defensively. Mm-hmm. And that kind of scares me because they're going to be reminiscent of what we saw last year with the incarnate word, a physical team that's going to try to run the ball. Their quarterback can run. He may not be a burner, but he's shifty. He, really, he doesn't remind me of the way that Army ran their offense, but his running style reminds me of Ahmad Bradshaw watching a little bit of film on him. Not very fast, but he has good balance. He knows where the first down sticks are. That's scary. We've seen that. We've talked about it so many times, how UTEP struggle with that. They struggled eyes on the zone read they struggle with the defensive ends crashing either too hard or not not keeping some type of base or a boundary for the quarterback to make a decision that's really what scares me and then what I'm looking at when Utah has the ball offensively is that's an undersized defense big time they what they're going to do to kind of cut out their size differentials. They're going to blitz. They're going to bring guys from different areas. They run this radar thing, kind of what Southern Miss does, where everybody's kind of standing around not knowing what they're going to do. And then all of a sudden, a snap comes, and you've got different things coming at you. But that undersized with the offensive line, I finally feel like this is a game that Aaron Jones should break out. and have. Obviously, he's he better. He better. And not only that, but I think the freshman backs, Wadley, do you- Don. So those those two things really kind of stand out. But particularly, I want to see – the offensive line dominate that line of scrimmage against a smaller defense, and let guys like Jones, Wadley, hell, even Fasta La- go, La and give Ryan Metz time for let to let things develop downfield. So those are two things I'm looking at. And more than more than anything. I just want to see UTEP's offensive line bounce back and just dominate an undersized front.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right, you know, because we talk about Aaron Jones and this should be or he's better break out this game, you know. But it's all on the offensive line. We've talked about their struggles week in and week out, you know, penalties, the inability to just get any type of push. Um, but this is a game where they should be physically, you know, the physically dominant team. Yeah. You know, there shouldn't be any issue with size. It no size, negative plays. you know. so So – not only that, when you I, I haven't seen any film on Houston Baptist, I can't sit here and act like I'm an expert on them. But just looking down their schedule, I mean, they've gotten worked over and yeah. over and over again. They they lost to Southeastern Louisiana 37 three. They lost to Nickel State in double OT. They lost to Western Kentucky 50 to three. Lost to Sam Houston State 52 to 16. So this is a team that has had its issues um, on defense, and I would assume that that's not held to just a passing game. I mean, I'm sure there's teams in there that are running the ball down their throat. So this should be an opportunity for that UTEP run game to get back on course, back on track, get Aaron Jones But this is also a game where we don't still don't need – if we want to have any opportunity to make it to ball, eligibility, this isn't a game where you go out and say, well, Aaron Jones can, so he should rush 25 times. No, he should get his carries, 16, 18 touches, three or four catches. That's it. You know, put him on the shelf. The game should be in hand. And that's it. Let
1: Wadley go. Let Wadley try Wally, to have This it.
0: This is a game where we can really, not, not only Wadley, but Don. Don. Let yeah. Don take more of a, of, a, of a lead role. You know, let him get some serious time in there. And that way we can get a better gauge of where he's at. We know what he can do. Yeah. We know the potential there. But we still haven't seen it on a, on a week, to week. System. Yeah, week, week, week to week. Week to week. Yeah. You know, and, and he hasn't, even at that, he hasn't gotten, you know, extended carries, extended time during a game, because Aaron gets most of those carries, and then you do get some from Wanda, you do get, it gets spread around a little bit, so this would be an opportunity, you know, a mid-season game, where it's not like a season opener, and everybody's rusty, you know, you get a mid-season game against a team that you shouldn't have any issue beating, you can put a guy like Don in there, and go let him get 12 or 15 carries, and see what he can do, you know, I think, I think this is a game for for this team to kind of find out where they're at with some of these younger players. No, I agree. And
1: I mean, like you said, we don't know,
0: we don't know much about Houston Baptist other than
1: the two things that I throw out of that. And that's just from looking at stats and reading just a little things here and there. But is this a game finally where we see the UTEP offense, put together drive after drive after drive and put up 40 points before garbage time. Can you see this happening with some type of variety or is it going to be all Aaron Jones just doing his thing? I mean, it, I that's how I feel. I feel like Aaron's going to have his yards, but I want to see everybody contribute to
0: put up 45. It's to, like I mentioned, it's like I mentioned last week, I think. Um, I just don't see this as a team that is really built, suited, built to, to put up 40 points. You know, even against a, a Houston Baptist. So you I'm don't not, think, you don't think not, the big play factor... Not, not that they won't put up 40 points. I think that they will, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, like we've seen it with some of these other games, a 60 to 14 yeah. or something Oh, yeah, like yeah, that. no, 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 You no. know, I think we may get to the 40 mark late in the game, but I don't think, like you said, before garbage time, I, I don't think so. I mean, yeah. I think we'll open it up. We'll have a comfortable lead, but, you know, it'll probably be 28 Three at half, or twenty-eight seven and half, and then we score one in the third, and then maybe get one in the fourth. But I just don't see it as a game where we really explode. I don't see this team as as that type of team. You're gonna have Aaron Jones break one or two, but if this starts to become a game where it's 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 you know in hand early on, he's probably gonna start playing less and less. You're gonna have less of that home run ability. Yeah, no doubt about it. So
1: six o'clock. I don't know why UTEP decided to put Old Dominion as a homecoming when you had this. <laughs> I mean, I mean, nobody's going to come to this game regardless. I mean, okay, if UTEP was nine and whatever, eight and two fighting for a conference title, yeah, you probably would. But, I mean, what the hell is UTEP thinking of not trying to boost 2,000, 3,000 people? But anyway, 6 o'clock, Houston Baptist, God help Sean Cougar if they lose. (laughs) No, no And that goes into the next thing that we wanted to talk about is, you know, it's, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. My deal of it is it's not so much it, – it's it's Sean Cooler having that pride of not taking an ass beating no more. But part of it is also, too, I don't know if Bob Stoll's coming back. This is not – I mean, this could be – you guys can translate this however you want. A rumor, you can report it – me reporting it actually per minor rush. But Bob Stoll has not yet extended his two-year deal that he's done. And that's a big red flag for me because I feel with some inside stuff that we know about, I feel his parting shot is this south end zone renovation. I feel that's his parting shot. And I really feel like the next, the, UTEP's next hire is going to be from a different athletic director. I think my personal opinion, from what I see, from what I've heard, Bob Stoll is going to ride into the sunset, but he's trying to get this, these donations for the south end zone to be a parting shot. Bob Stoll has done a pretty good job on in that regard, upgrading facilities, yeah. had a great hire with Keita Adams, even better hire with Mike Price at the time because of Don't what lie, it because of what it brought. And even to a sense,
0: you could say at the time, Tim Floyd's hire was, even was pretty Cooper good. good even Sean, yeah. I mean, Sean Coogan was a good hire. In the situation, Sean Cougar was a good hire. He's done his job in hiring in facilities. I think the issue with him is really not being able... Yeah, complacency, but not being able to hold his coaches accountable. Yeah. He... He, he, he gives he, them so he, much... Yeah, exactly. He gives them so much leeway that there's nothing them for there for them to fear. And I think that goes more for for uh, Tim Floyd, because I think Sean Kubler wants to win. Not that Tim Floyd doesn't want to win, but like Sean Kubler still has that fire because yeah. he's a young coach, first head coach. And, he, he's and, and And Tim Floyd is really at the end of his coaching career, and so... But yeah, I mean, I think that's the one area, especially as of late, that really has, you know, been been Bob Stull' shortcoming. Whether or not he's done after this year is still yet to be seen. But I mean, where do you go with something like that? Where do you, where we've talked about it a little bit in the past, but where do you go with an athletic director hire? I mean, do you go after somebody that's an assistant out at, you know, Houston or oh. you know, whatever it might be, some, you know, an, an assistant athletic director at a, at a not a, I mean, I guess. A up, and coming, up, up and coming. Yeah. I get, like I get that. you. And I think that's a perfect hire. Do you hire. go after that or do you go for somebody that's maybe out of left field? Like, a? I mean, I, I, I know this is, I know this is crazy, but we've mentioned it. Mike Price. Yeah. I mean, do you go after somebody like that who really has a love for the city, for the game, for, and for, for the program, Utah, really. for the program. I mean, is that someone that could be a possibility, you know, is, 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 I don't know if he would even consider right. it. That's completely yeah, – he He's probably, having fun right now. Yeah, I think he's yeah. having fun but, right you know, now. Like, where do you go with it? Where do and that's you go a
1: good question it? because, you know, the the easy hire is going with a guy like Mike Price, who kind of knows the lay of the land. He knows the lay of the land of being – having that type of position because it seemed like Bob Stoll and Mike Price were like this in terms of decision-making at the time. Yeah. You know, it just, it just seemed like that. Maybe it wasn't like that, but you were the face of the athletic program in the 0 run. But in my mind, I would go with what you're saying about, you know, pick up a hump. First of all, they got to be hungry. I think that is the key. A hum- somebody that's going to think outside the box, someone that's going to come in here and totally revamp the culture. So, yeah, somebody from, you know, a, a, a quote-unquote mid-major mm-hmm. or up-and-coming like a Houston, you know, some type of, of secondary assistant, or, but somebody that, that's kind of had that exposure – okay let's just go let's say if it is somebody from from Houston somebody's had that exposure of going to a big time bowl last year of hiring a very damn good coach and Tom Herman dealing with that type of success you know you can even go and look at somebody from Boise State you know somebody hell even from somebody from Texas A&M who was in transitioning from the Big 12 to the SEC you know I'm just thinking those type of little those experiences where they knew that they had to it's a new age of thinking, a new wave of thinking, and they were somehow a part of that and they and had that hunger
0: to do that at you. And the truth is that I mean, I this isn't necessarily you know, the ultimate word here, but I would assume that when it comes to this job, I mean, that's probably going to be a pretty highly sought-after job. I, would, I think so, too. And, and, I mean, you know, when you talk about coaching vacancies and coaching openings, you usually talk about going after those assistants yeah. at mid-majors. That's and the offense courted, offensive mind, but of But when you talk about an athletic director position, I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah. And so you can get people – I would assume you can get people from a Texas A&M, you know, maybe not necessarily the top, top tier of those, of those uh, uh, power conferences, but somewhere around the middle, you can probably sneak somebody out of there. And so that's, that's something to think about too. I mean, I just, it's still yet to be seen. This is all hearsay about what's going on with Bob Stall and whether or not he's going to be back. We well, don't we, know. I personally, there, think there's a hunch, there's, there's a, a hunch, hunch that, he's, that he's ready to, to take off, but, um, yeah, I mean, that that's an interesting play there. I mean, what kind of gets me is, you know, taking this going a step further into this now. We get to the president of the university, Diana Natalicio. She never really struck me as the type of person to really care. I don't know if care is the right word, but really want to put so much Thank into you. Focus. Focus on the athletic department. She's more about education, which is great. I mean, that's what the university is about anyway. So she's doing her job, and she's done it great. But when you start talking about what she would look for in athletic director, because I would assume that's where the word comes from. Right. I mean, I don't think anybody else hires. It would be her. her I doubt so, the, the other guy that's in, up higher up. Um. But what what is she wanting? You know, is she wanting to go out there? Because if you do go up into those Major programs you're not going to get some i don't know what saw makes you know probably half a million yeah. something, somewhere you're, right
1: you're basically going have but, to pay but you're yeah. going
0: to have to pay probably more than that yeah. to go out and get those people you're probably going to have to close come close to a million to get those type of people, so is she willing to do that kind of stuff? Is she willing to put that type of money into this we all maybe. know we're hurt, the money's gone into the campus yeah you i mean maybe maybe that's something that the program needs maybe it is an FX director a change at the top for this pro, for this program for the football team for the basketball team. To get that Kickstarter, I don't know. You know what? Fuck it. <laughs> if DLF's theme- <laughs> steam,
1: <laughs> didn't break an hey, year, year old curse and a 108-year-old curse, dude, Cubs, I, I will donate $500 from I <clears> check the Cubs band to pay for his salary if he comes to El Paso. DLF's
0: sign, open yeah, offer, bro. The, the Cubs are just off track real quick. The Cubs deserve that, man.
1: They deserve man, it. They, I, they've
0: spent the last five years
1: build, building yep.
0: up young talent, young prospects, bringing them up through the system, yep. you know, and, and this was the year where it paid exactly. off. And they they did it the right way. They went through the season. They won the most games. And even though they fell behind in the World Series, they they were the ones that deserved that title. I'm nothing taking nothing away from Cleveland. No, nope, I agree. Cleveland made a great run. They had a great season as well. But, damn, I mean, that – Amazing game last night. What yeah. a way to finish game seven. Uh, but, yeah, I think I think no doubt about it, the Cubs really deserve that one. So Would, anyway. you,
1: would you would you donate money out of your salary for DOF? The- yeah, <laughs> man, of course. <laughs> you see, of, of
0: course. course. We're going to
1: start. I'm about to do a, a blog post so go right fund now. Me. We need to yeah. go fund me. DOF staying U UTEP, man. <laughs> anyway, so Tip football, once again, season on, well, life support. But according to Anthony, the Panthers are, are already <laughs> hiring <laughs> And I feel they are too, man. So it's going to be – I mean, but it's, it's just crazy to think that after all the crap we've seen this year, that if somehow this team puts it together, you're talking about a 6-6 six and six team where two, three weeks ago, I mean, we're talking can this team win another game? You know if what you, I mean? If, that,
0: you, I, if you look at the final four games in a vacuum, okay, and you take out everything else and you just look at those final four games and you say UTEP has to win these four games to be bowl eligible – you might think like, hey, well those are winnable games. Yeah. Like that they've got a realistic chance to do this. But then you bring in everything else. Yeah. And then you take a look at the way they've played throughout the season, it becomes the chances of them doing that go from let's just say 40%, because I mean it's still hard to win four in a row, yeah.
1: especially with two. No matter who road, it is, yeah.
0: No matter who it is. So let's say they were forty percent, you know, without in a vacuum, they were forty percent. You know, once you see how things have gone, I would say they're down to under 10%. That's just my personal opinion. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I mean, look. Sometimes I start to sound like a hater on these podcasts. I'm not, man. I'm just I'm just, I'm just a, a concerned fan. I'm just a pissed off fan that that we sit here and watch this stuff, man. I mean, I, I'm there at the game supporting. You know, I'm shit. I'm doing a podcast right now on UTEP sports, bro. You know, <laughs> I, I'm not a hater in any way. I'm just ready for something to change with this program, man. But uh, I, unfortunately. I don't see it happening in these last four games.
1: So, according to Bill Connolly's S&P Plus projections, because I haven't seen a line on this game. I don't know. I, I, it's rare that you see for s yeah. But, you know, I think there is. I think it's like 20-something. There probably something Utah, is. Normally,
0: there will be a spread. Uh, a there will not be a total on the yeah. game.
1: So, the win probability for Utah with Houston Baptist, 83%. Projected margin, 16.8. I, I kind of agree with this score, 36.4 to 19.5. I can kind of see that. I can kind of see a 35-20, a 41-20, something in that I'd range. I'd like to see it. Yeah, I really would, but I kind of, I kind of agree with
0: what uh, that? 22 production. and a half is the spread that Vegas has, and there is no total, there's no over/under.
1: Yeah, I mean um, that's that seems.
0: That's probably about I, I, right. That's I mean, about right. I think, like I was saying, you know, a, a twenty-eight-three game, you end up getting one or two in the f- third and fourth quarter, and they, they put together it's the and and they our get, threes. Yeah, exactly. So they end up at 42-14 or forty-two twenty-one, something like that. That's probably, you know,
1: realistic. Anything less than that, please donate a six-pack to the Rush Podcast next week. <laughs> yeah, I was
0: actually thinking about it before we started. Like, am I going to pop a beer today? Because when they weren't losing, when they weren't winning, I was popping them, and then they got the win, but. Yeah, I decided to just take it easy today. But if like they if, do if lose this, – If this week we lose, there will there will be more than one we will or be two. Asking, we'll week. be
1: asking for donations. So <laughs> yeah, get okay. at us to, to drop those off. So let's move on because we finally got to see Tim Floyd's 2016-2017 minors. And, um,
0: <laughs> you know, we're yeah, – uh, What was kind of funny was um, – I don't remember if it was – and I don't mean to talk shit about Jeff Darby – a good guy, but oh yeah, I know. His, that. his ti- it was either his title of his of his of his game yeah. or something was like Utah. Blows blows. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I'm like, dude, we won. By game.
1: Like, <laughs> compared, like, compared to minor rushes, we is, won.
0: <laughs> we barely won. What, what do you mean blows by? You know?
1: And I put hold. I was gonna put squeaks, but they were able to to get that 11 point lead late in the third and in, in the second half. But I mean, guys, we've talked about it. I think we all everybody that follows the rush. I mean, we all know this basketball team is going to struggle. I mean, there is no doubt about it. And I think it's not basing it off of just one game. I mean, no, it's, it's real not. easiest, but we knew kind of this coming in. And now seeing what I saw on Saturday, I mean, it's they're going to struggle in conference play. I mean, you know, you look at, at, at non-conference, it's favorable in some matchups. You got some home games. Your toughest games are in neutral sites and at New Mexico. I mean, but it's just there's an outside of Omega Harris, outside of Terry Wynn, outside of uh, uh, Artists. And partially, sometimes, sometimes Paul Thomas outside of that, there's just nothing consistent. Mm-hmm. Not saying there's no talent, not saying, but there's just nothing consistent that, that, or an experienced player that understands what to do in these situations, what to do defensively, what to do offensively. It, it, it's just another rebuilding here under Tim Floyd. That's basically what I summed it up as it's just yeah. another rebuilding here with new faces, unproven guys, and a lack of depth. And then you got Matt Williams out again. You know, that, that's another disheartening thing. And I think that's going to be that's...
0: something that's going to be you know, all season long, we're going to have issues with him playing. When he can play, I think he's going to be very limited in his minutes. Um, I don't take too much away from the from a seven-point exhibition win. Yeah. Now. You know, some teams go out there and want to put on a show and win by 50 points. But Tim Floyd, what he's shown since he's been here, is that he wants to get guys minutes. Yeah. He wants to put a lot of different lineups out there, get a lot of young guys in the game, and see what you've got to play with. So, I think that has to do a lot with the outcome and, oh, yeah. and why oh, yeah. and why it was so close but you know like you're talking about we 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 know coming in what this team has. Yeah. They've got a few stars. Um they've got a few up and coming you know, I don't want to say stars, but getting there, getting to that level. Guys that can make impact. Yeah, and, and then, be, but beyond that, there's not much, and that's the biggest issue, you know, because you can deal with those, if you've got four solid players, you know, that can give you on any given night 20 points, you know, I'm not saying always going to yeah. give you 20 points, but any have one of them can, can give you, you know, it, you can you can pick up some wins with that. The thing about it is that you need that depth behind them,
1: and that's and, and right we now. don't
0: have it, and we we're going to, I mean, Unless some of these freshmen come in and, and just really start to really mature quickly, we're not going to see that at all this season. Let me give you two
1: things that I saw right off the bat. Two things, and you could chew on both of them. Number one, Kelvin Jones' first six minutes. Bro, I was about to write a whole write-up on how <laughs> shitty Tim Floyd's recruiting is. This kid picked up four fouls yeah, in I his first that. six minutes. It was, it, you know, and it was, he just wasn't moving his feet well, but then his last, Five minutes or no, his, his first five minutes he picks up four fouls. His last six minutes, oh my god, that is the. And granted, it's against whoever yeah. it was, but that is what you want to see. The kid, he finished with. Let me pull it up here. It's like eight and six. Eight, eight and six. Eight, eight Eight and six, and he and it started where it started was a put back offensive rebound. That to me was key because it was it was a tough play where he uses his athletic ability, he used his strength, he went up went up strong over a smaller team and scored, and that was huge. That right there really really got it going. And you know you look at that, it started an eight one run, but to me, like I said, he started off rough his first six minutes of play, but then to end up with six points and six rebounds in just eleven minutes against that competition, yeah. I'm not saying this kid is going to come out here and dominate Conference USA. He may dominate a game or two this year, but the ceiling is very, very high. Yeah, I mean, and that's what
0: I, that was the number one takeaway that and, I came away with. And you're going to need him to step up. You're going to need him oh, yeah. to play smarter because – you can't afford to only have him out there for 10 minutes with the way things nope. are going with Matt Williams. You need a 20, 20, maybe even 30. Backwards. You know, in, in times he is going to have to play 30 minutes, yeah. you know, but for sure you need him 18 to 20 minutes a game without question. And so you've got to be smarter. You've got to play smarter. You've got to move your feet. You know, don't be so pansy. We've seen, you know, things go in the last two or three years to just, Whistle happy officiating yeah. where oh, every touch is a foul. Oh, that's so another thing. You, you, you yeah. got to play hands off. You got to be able to move your feet, play smart. We need you out there. We can't afford to have you on the bench. But if this guy were to put up something like an eight and six a game, you will take that all day yeah. long. You know, you don't need him to come out and be a, a 20 point scorer, but you do need him to hold his own, defend the paint a little bit, bring down some rebounds, and put a couple buckets in. That's all you would need out of a guy like that. The, right n- the number
1: two thing that I saw, the one thing that stood out to I me. Mean, you know, we've been kind of the biggest question we've had since we knew who was on the roster. Okay, which freshman plays? From what I saw, partially because rotation-wise of where he came in and who he came in for, and partially because of how good athletically he is, Tim Cameron might be that freshman that becomes that sixth man in a sense or that seventh man up. The, I think that he. I don't want to say he solidified himself to me or to Floyd, but I think he showed that out of all the freshmen. That he could possibly groom into that what Floyd wants defensively, be a guy that can slash for you. And then another thing, Chris Barnes. Now, I mean, this kid, I didn't know what to expect out of him. This guy could be a pretty good player. He has a base. We've saw, we've kind of laughed about Floyd's recruiting, where he's recruiting these skinny kids, lanky. Long. I mean, we all know what he's looking for and what he's brought in. But Chris Barnes is a very thick athlete. I mean, this kid is almost like. He almost has his man body already, but you can tell that he's still young, and he has a really nice left-handed stroke. He could be another guy that can side, and we've all kind of been had our eyes on Adrian Moore, Tim Cameron, Deion Barrett, but from what I saw him in the little glimpses, I wish he would have played more minutes, but he hit a three from the corner, and just his physical, like, he looks confident. He looks like a confident. He looks like he doesn't look like he's lost out there. He knows what he's doing. That's probably playing in high-level AAU in California, where I feel that's probably the best hotbed for AAU basketballs in California. But Tim Cameron, I think he's maybe a step above him, but I'm not sleeping on a guy like Chris Barnes because I think he can bring that physicality in terms of using his body to rebound against smaller guys, smaller guards, and just using his body to be able to score if he develops it. He didn't look too confident in terms of office dribble stuff and trying to create his own shot. But that one third-pointer was very, very impressive and just his body, how thick that he is. As a freshman, you may need that later in conference play. So those were my quick takeaways. But it's funny that you mentioned the officiating because I said it to a couple people after the game. It's not so this game that I watched. If it they're making more emphasis on the travel. Way more emphasis on the travel. I mean, everything seems to travel. You you twist your pivot foot one way and you slide it into travel. But the touch files were I mean, I, I don't remember I go look in the tweets. I think in the first 10 minutes, there was 20 combined free throws already in the first 10 minutes of the first half. Right. In the first four minutes, there was 11 combined fouls. And I, and I think that I could have been off by one or two because the scoreboard is wrong. But that is going to make it tough to watch college basketball. It's not so much wins or losses. I'm just talking about the fan viewership on TV where people were – I watched a free throw shooting contest last Saturday in an exhibition game. That's pretty much what it came down to, honestly. If you look at the free throw numbers, UTEP 20 of 26 – and you know I think they had like 18 or 19 free throw attempts, but that that I think that's going to be a problem, not a
0: UTEP problem. We're yeah, talking call it basketball, a college basketball, basketball problem. Genre. You know, let's, let's it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. But let's let's take a step aside and let's let's look at the roster and let's see where you think um, I guess guys are going to fall. Obviously at the one you got Dominic Artis. Um, spelling game is going to be shed. obviously situational you're going to have Omega at the one depending on what, what kind of game situation you're in Omega is going to be at the two who's going to fill in at the two behind Omega that's right that's, that's
1: what I was saying Tim Cameron might slide in there and then you want to say Adrian Moore but from what I saw of Chris Barnes to me personally I would slide Barnes just a little bit above Adrian Moore at this time now that may change if Saturday let's just say Adrian Moore just athletically dominates, or he's, just, he's a lightning quick guy, so you, you never know what you expect, but I think those two guys mixed with maybe even a Jake Flaggert, because Flaggert didn't do much. All he was doing was shooting, so you could have him as that set shooter at the two, but I think, obviously, right now, Cameron may have that edge, and then Chris Barnes will be right behind him, at least in the two-guard spot, but that's it, and the next thing was going to be interesting is okay when
0: they go three guards. Yeah, um, I see Chris Barnes, a uh... Is a six, four, 190 hundred ninety pound I freshman. I said more 66 honestly six, honestly. Um, six six two ten. Tim Cameron also listed at six four, one eighty. Yeah, that's. Uh, Cameron's a guy that averaged sixteen point four pounds points, um, helping his team to a forty seven. Teams play that many games, bro? Forty seven and one. That
1: was uh, that, that was at the Hargrave, so they they're not a they're a post grad. So you know what I mean? That's, yeah, yeah, yeah forty seven and
0: one uh, national prep championship, averaged sixteen point four points. Five point six rebounds, two point one steals. Chris Barnes was a twelve points, five rebounds guy out of out of Compton High School. So a couple guys there that could fill in at the two potentially. And that's all you um, really need. <laughs> you know, but, 12 points
1: yep. every once in a while. Yep. A sixteen point game, five rebounds. That I mean of course of course guys it's, it's, it's yeah, I mean, to you translate that. Of a fresh but day. if you can is that that's always tough, but that's what these guys that's the type of level they're gonna need to make. Like this is how bad UTEP's death is. Where those where you're asking these two guys under recruited, didn't have very many offers. Tim Cameron did, I'll give him that. But you're asking these guys to step. in. Mean, that's when we talked about where we kind of tore down the basketball team to open. This is the realization of this is because there's nobody else.
0: You know, these about, two guys have to step up. Talking about the one and two positions, I think what you're going to really start to see early on is that these guys, both these guys. Um Omega and, and Dominic are gonna have to play Julian Washburn minutes. Yeah, all, uh, you remember Julian really, was
1: playing thirty eight, thirty nine, forties. Yeah, mean, always and, yeah. always and, and you already seen in the scrimmage when Omega had thirty yeah. thirty uh minutes, DA had
0: thirty minutes. So you already I've seen, seen you're that see guys, in no, early November. Gonna, there's gonna be a lot after them. They're gonna and they're gonna have to play smart. We've seen both these guys at times get into foul trouble um Dominic Artis I remember last year on a, multiple occasions there were times where he would pick up two or three quick fouls wow. and all of a sudden he's got to be put on the bench you know that can't happen this year um not that it could have last year but that cannot happen It's a year, 20 though. point loss this year <laughs> and looking at the three um what are we looking at Paul Thomas starting at three kind of I, I right think now. I think right now with this
1: injury situation you'll probably have Terry Wynn more at the three, Paul Thomas at a stretch do you four.
0: That, do you think that that's the right way to go with – I mean, I know that it really doesn't matter necessarily, mm-hmm. but do you like Terry Wynn playing more of a wing position than a post? You know, the,
1: no, no, because he had six turnovers. And it's not saying that he can't improve on that, but as of what I saw last Saturday, he's not ready. Especially
0: after seeing last year, yeah. the way he dominated the game in the post. And, 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 and I
1: say yes, because he's, he, he, I mean, the last the the last two times I've seen him play, the scrimmage and yesterday, he's knocked down, I want to say, four perimeter jumpers. So yes, in that regard, but no, because I feel that he can score better down low, and I would want him to protect the basketball way better. And you know, maybe not Paul Thomas is that guy to protect the ball a little bit better. You know, if you, if you go with Paul Thomas at a three and move Terry back to the four, but I just don't think that Terry is ready for that ball handling uh, responsibility yet to be consistent with it. He's a great passer. He improved his pass. He hit Paul Thomas a couple times with some nice passes. But for him to dribble out on the wing and kind of, you know, point guards set up the offenses. Your wing players get you into offense, I feel. And to get UTEP into the offense, there was so many times where he would fumble it away in those turnovers. So that's where I say no, but you can tell that, that that's going to grow. But if we had to go up against Wake Forest tomorrow, I'm telling you, hell no, leave Terry down low, let him go just back to the basket.
0: Jake Flaggard, another guy that's probably going to be able to, to, to play some of that three. Obviously, that's his natural position, if you will, but he's kind of a guy that with his style in his game. is you know, Like you were talking about him being a set shooter, he's kind of in between a two and a three. You know what I mean? He's kind of that shooting guard, but he's really the, he's got the size of a small forward. It'll be interesting to see where he fits in. A lot has been expected of Jake Flaggart since year one. Um, and he's shown us some things here and there, but it's never really been consistent. And this is a year where if the miners are going to have any success, it's going to have to start with guys like him, you know, putting up some quality minutes. So we move on to the four. Obviously, we talked about, uh, uh, you know, Paul Thomas and uh, Trey, Trey, uh, Terry Wynn, who are both going to be kind of interchangeable at the three and the four. They're going to play a lot um, of minutes. You know, who else do you down there? We talk about. Ivan Venegas, you know that—that's crazy that you bring him up because
1: he looks so much more athletic. He looks so much more—he's you know A guy that has only played basketball for like what yeah. three or four years, you're not—you're not, you're never gonna get a double double out of him. But I think you're gonna get a really hard two to three minute blow for a Terry win, for a Paul, even for a Kelvin Jones. Let's say if they want to go small, I think he can give you those two to three minute bursts of just doing what he's supposed to do. He may knock down a shot. He may grab a rebound over a a bigger athletic guy. Hell, he may even block somebody's shot that he's not supposed to. But I think that could, could become valuable because Matt Williams isn't there because you need somebody that can just go out there and, and, and give you that muscle, if you will. Yeah. But I think he's definitely improved his athleticism, and I think he's definitely learning. But he still tries to take too many outside shots. I think he jacked up an outside shot in the game, uh, again, in the scrimmage game, which is fine, or in the exhibition game, which is fine in the exhibition game. But in and, and the too thing, too, is a couple times, he's calling for the ball down low, and nobody's getting to him. I want to see them just throw it to him just one time in this exhibition game on Saturday. And, and so that way I can kind of gauge, okay, you know, like I said, right now you like like I mentioned, you don't expect him to go off for a double double, but to give you two to three solid minutes now, if he can develop some post moves, shit, those two to three minutes turn into five, six minutes, and all of a sudden, if he's full circling his game, if that's a word or a phrase, now you're talking about somebody that can make an impact. Is he there yet? I think he's far from there, but if you if he continues to get these opportunities that Tim Floyd is letting him by getting those important minutes in that exhibition. He could be a guy, because Matt Williams is a situation where he's forced into the rotation, like I said, maybe two, three minutes out of a time, two or three segments where he's getting eight to ten minutes a game. If he can produce just some type of solid basketball, like I said, not so much production, just good basketball, no lapses, no turnovers, no dumb plays, no dumb fouls, that could be his role on this team. And I don't want to say that's going to help them win games, but it can just help them with depth. And that's really what, they're, what they need at this point.
0: You know, talking about Ivan Venegas, who is a sophomore forward for the minors, A guy that, as we just talked about, has only played—what is it? Four years? I'm trying to figure this out.
1: Um, a lot of international. This play.
0: is this international play has got to be. He didn't play international play, did he? With, with basketball? With the
1: just with the mess. Uh, the Mexican. Yeah, yeah? Team? With, the, with our younger teams, those okay. under 18, under 16.
0: Um, but you're still playing. Grew pretty up, grew up playing volleyball, but. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what's that. That could be another guy that's gonna, like you talked about, be forced into the lineup, and we'll see how he reacts. We've seen at times his ability to kind of get in there, muscle his way in, and get some rebounds and stuff. Show that he belongs in a sense, no doubt about it. It, The one thing for sure is that you've seen his growth yeah, since he's been here,
1: athletically and in his game, and that's big to see
0: him grow, his body grow. Has brought his him to work on that. Moving on to the five, as we talked about, kind of to start before we started this segment though we were saying uh, Matt Wilms with his injury and whatnot talking about Kelvin Jones and his abilities um, but pretty much the two fives there what what do you see out of Matt Wilms? what are you expecting what's going on with the injury I mean what's the timeline what I mean it, it's hard I know it's hard to say but what do what you what are you seeing
1: the, the thing that I'm seeing more is his conditioning more than him being healthy and cleared I mean his conditioning bro it's and it's not his fault it's he's just in a way know.
0: it is though kind of you got you if you're if if you're an athlete right i mean you got to you can't be out there partying yeah you know what i'm saying you can't be out and i'm not saying that he is i've never personally seen him out i don't know i'm not i'm just saying in general i'm just saying in general you know if you're if you're nursing an injury you can't just be like oh well i can't do anything so i'm just gonna go party i'm gonna do this and that and then once I can play again. All right, now I'll try to get back into shape. That's not the way it works because now you just set yourself back two months. And I think There's things the- that you can do to stay in the gym, party, stationary, bike, or something along those lines where you can still kind of get your conditioning in. Um, but and I, I, maybe he was doing that. I don't know. But if, if, and I haven't seen him just yet, but to, for the way you talked about it, you know, with him looking completely out of basketball shape – that's a little alarming at this yeah. point,
1: and that, and that's my biggest concern. I mean, obviously the concerns for the kids' health. I mean, Matt's a good guy; always says hi to me, always respectful, good in interviews, very insightful, doesn't give you a cold shoulder. But you know, I just think that with him, it's that conditioning part. I think that is going to be a downfall. Well, obviously, we want the foot to heal right. There was a stress reaction. I don't even I don't even want to go into what a stress reaction is. Tim Floyd tried to explain it. It's something closer to the heel. But yeah, I mean, to me, the biggest thing touchdown Oklahoma. But the biggest thing to me is, is, is conditioning, and I think that is where now as we're getting closer to the season, remember two weeks ago, we're saying, hey, you know, after the exhibition or the scrimmage game, we're thinking, hey, hey, Matt Williams, maybe be able to give us 10 minutes or 20 minutes. And now after this week, it's like, oh, shit, well, he's hurt. If he comes back, maybe it's 15 minutes. So the, the, <laughs> the longer we get to the season, it's just like, okay, can, can he play? Yeah. Can can he can he give you two or three minutes? You know what I mean. Like that that is kind of where it's getting
0: to. If he can't, that that really is just another damper on this season because yeah. we already know where we're at with our lack of depth. And, and you know if if he is unable to go for any extended period of time, I mean then you're talking about forcing guys like Venegas or, yeah. or Jones into the starting lineup. You know because I mean you either go extremely small and, and do what you did last year with Terry Win where he ran the five. Yeah which I don't think you want to go back to no, that. No, sir. Um, but you either go that route or you force these guys, Jones or, or Venegas into the starting lineup. And I don't know that that's a viable could, yeah. option right now. You know, I don't know that either of the guys are ready to go out and be the starter and put in, put in 25, 30 minutes of work a game. Yeah. Um, so, man, a whole lot still yet to be seen. A couple of guys we didn't really talk about too much real quick. Um, Adrian Moore, uh, not Chris Barnes, we did mention Chris Barnes, Dion Barrett. He so was suspended.
1: Yeah, well, he, I, I'm, I'm curious to see how he does against competition because I thought he looked a little lost in the scrimmage. In the ex- or, orange, yeah, and orange and white scrimmage, he looked a little lost. He was suspended last week. So that's a guy I'm really going to look at. Really, because I feel like at this point, Floyd's going to have some options at the guard role. You mentioned it, where you can throw in Deion Barrett as a one and Touche as a two and the flagger as a three. Now, this is talking about spelling artists and mm-hmm, Harris. Mm-hmm. Now, how quick can Deion Barrett – get up to speed where that's a where that's an effective lineup in terms of what you expect from those guys shooting a little bit of speed good passing smart basketball so i'm real curious to see how Deion barrett and then adrian moore i i see the quickness i see the athleticism i see him kind of being that aggressive driver but can he do it within control and we've seen that from certain freshmen like omega where you didn't really see that come full circle into a sophomore year. So that's where I'm kind of on the fence because I've only seen him once. And it's like, okay, I, I want to see you do it two or three more times because when they're getting these limited minutes, and that's the thing about the last exhibition, I was kind of upset that that Adrian Moore didn't get a lot more minutes, that Chris Barnes didn't get a lot more minutes. I expected them to get 12, 13 minutes, and they didn't. But I'm thinking in this game, I will get a way better gauge on, okay, you see the quickness, but can it be controlled? Is it something that... that after a couple of weeks of practice, it's, it's, it's getting corrected to a point. Because at this point of this team, with the lack of depth, you don't need guys to be fully ready. You just need them to show they can be coached and they can be corrected because you're going to need them. It's not so much in the past where, okay, you can kind of sit him behind Vince Hunter. You can sit him behind uh, C.J. Cooper. You can sit him behind uh, Julian Washburn. You need these guys. Yeah. And like I said, you don't need them 100% ready. You just need to show week to week that, hey, they, they took their coaching, they took their lickings, they took their game film. Now you're not seeing that mistake doubled. You're seeing it once, and then you're not seeing it again. That's kind of what I want to see out of more And maybe even Deion Barrett, even though I didn't get to see him last week, but pretty much all the freshmen. That's why I just want to see that they're coachable and that they could provide something. Something for this team because they're going to need it. So,
0: last one real quick. Isaiah Osborne officially ruled out
1: ineligible. Yeah, he's, I haven't even seen him. So, I mean, he, he looked tentative. He looked real tentative in the Orange and White exhibition, but he needs to work on his body. He needs he definitely needs to get thick. He needs to thicken out those arms more than his arms. His lower, lower body is decent. I don't want him to gain too much weight, lower body. But upper body, he needs to sculpt. He needs to become – he needs to look how Vince Hunter looked after – his freshman or sophomore year next year, yeah, for him to be a factor. And it can happen. I I really always give kudos to the train the strength and conditioning coach coaches at UTEP. I think they're one of the top in conference USA. And pers- particularly for basketball, just seeing how guys have transformed. So gonna be interesting Saturday night. I don't even paramedics. know, or Saturday uh, night. Saturday
0: afternoon, actually. 1 p.m. mountain time is the tip. They're the doing canoe. the two for one That's right. uh, ticket deal for the for the men's basketball game and the football game. You can buy your tickets get into both games. Um, that's a 1 p.m. tip time again. Then they'll play Louisiana College next Saturday in the season opener, uh, November 12th. That is a season opener, correct? To the RPI folks, hell no. <laughs> well, it's, it's, not a, it's a non-Division one game, yeah. but it is actually a, a season, season opener, not. And then after that, it'll be November 17th against Wake Forest in that Charleston Classic in South Carolina. I mean, man, that's going to be here quick. And Yep, exactly. Y'all know what's going on back here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Anything else, man? What, you, what, do you, what else do you want to talk about? What else Shoot, can we, uh... Let's talk about this presidential election. Oh, <laughs> man, We
0: don't have enough time. We don't have enough time, and I'd probably piss off a lot of people. I think
1: here. we both would. we probably have <laughs> to sit down in the rush after. Remember our golden rule. No political comment thread.
0: Oh, man. <laughs> well, it's been another good episode of the Rush Podcast. Y'all know where to find us, rush at gmail.com if you want to get in touch with us, at SBN Minor rush on Twitter, facebook.com slash rush. Of course, minorrush.com. Chime in on the comment threads. Anthony's get a Facebook Live star. I'm a Facebook Live star now, man. <laughs> that was that was good. We got you know, follow us live on Facebook every now and then. Alex likes to get in on those videos. We'll try to do halftime videos and whatnot if we can, whatever. Just whatever every time I do it, I used to get that hey message. Whatever we can do, whatever we can do. <laughs> Hope y'all enjoyed it. We'll see y'all next time. Peace.